If you want to understand the entrepreneur, study the juvenile delinquent. The delinquent is saying with his actions, this sucks. I'm going to go do my own thing. Ivan Chunard, founder of Patagonia Incorporated. So what comes to mind when you hear the terms visionary or entrepreneur? Optimism? Risk? Drive? Inspiration? A tad bit crazy? Well, Ivan was a rock climber and surfer who loved nature and began experimenting with his own equipment. Patagonia evolved from those experiments. Sarah Blakely was a failed law student selling copiers and was irritated with visible panty lines. Spanx was born. Richard Montanez was a janitor who was told to think like an owner, so he went to his kitchen with his wife, experimented with some spices, and hot Cheetos were created and blew all of our minds. But a million dollar idea isn't enough. Welcome to the Impact of Leadership podcast, where we believe that no one drifts into excellence. I'm your host, Steve Shear, and today's episode is with a visionary who exemplifies the entrepreneurial spirit and has failed a ton along the way. Peter Goodwin is a wild man. He's also my guest. While living in Alaska as a hunting and fishing guide and construction worker, Peter needed a wedding band that would stay put, flex when needed, and keep his finger from sweating. Enter the Groove Ring a silicone band that was launched in 2016 with a Kickstarter campaign. Now, Groove Ring is one of several products offered by the company Groove Life. And just recently, Groove Life did mid eight figures in revenue. So here are three things to listen for in Peter's interview. Number one, where does a million dollar idea fail? Number two, the things that Groove Life stands for. And number three, the power of knowing yourself. Well, with that long intro, I encourage you to buckle up, listen closely, and let's get into my conversation with Peter Goodwin, founder of Groove Life. Groove Life is an outdoor uh, active lifestyle accessory brand. So things that you kind of use every day, we're in that space. We started out in silicone rings. So the kind of the popular alternative to metal rings that people use working out or hunting or uh, just mechanics that, you know, kind of brings an element of safety and comfort to, you know, your, your traditional wedding band, preventing ring avulsion and whatnot. And then we, uh, we, we'd sell other products like watch band straps and uh, just launched into belts and, and, and many other accessories in the future. Before we jump too far ahead, Give us an overview of what Groove Life is and what the company stands for, and then we'll jump to the earlier years because there's there's a ton that, that your company stands for that's, that's so much more than just like apparel and things like that. Uh, we stand on three core tenets of Groove Life, which is uh, to serve people, um, inspire adventure, and to reflect God. Um, and we kind of came about, uh, those are kind of a direct reflection of my personal values. Um being an adventure tour guide and whatever in the past, um, but but serving people, if we can serve people the best, um, that gives us a platform to, you know, sell them products, but also uh, maybe have influence on their lives. And then reflecting God is just being excellent at what we do um, by reflecting him. And, and again, that's synonymous in my mind, right? I, everybody's got their own view, but God kind of, in my mind, is, is uh, synonymous with, with excellence and doing a job well and serving people better than your competition. It's kind of set up the market that way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And the company, you know, we definitely sell a lot of products and we're good at it. 
but but there's a kind of a heartbeat behind that and again it has to do with kind of the values um and that's people the mission of groove is a direct reflection of my view on why i'm on earth which is to love people right um jesus says love people love god and you've you've fulfilled all of god's commandments all of his commandments and so it's pretty simple mm-hmm. um how do we do that in business you know and we can get into that but that's kind of the the basis for what Groove is and, and why we are driven to excellence. I think it'll help people to understand the learning curve that you faced based on when you launched the company to where things are now. So what are some stats that, uh, I don't have any in mind in particular, but what are some stats that could help people understand the kind of the rapid growth that you guys experienced? Yeah, I think this will make it a little more relatable. I'm 40 years old. We started Groove when I was 35. So I had a total different career before this. I, I didn't know you could sell things on the internet like legitimately. Yeah. Uh, five years ago, I thought it was kind of all like you're selling used books on eBay if you're <laughs> selling anything on the internet. So we started five years ago with Kickstarter. We were in the, you know, hundreds of thousands the first year and then we scaled now, you know, five years later, we're mid eight figure company. We have 180 employees and um, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I do know where I'm going. <laughs> That's good. And so I think um, you can you can patch a lot of things together if you know where you're going. <laughs> so rewind the tape now for us and let's jump into Alaska. So guide life and how it affected your approach to life in general, uh, leadership. Take it take it wherever you want to go. But let, let's jump into that. Yeah. So I was born in Alaska. Uh, I started commercial fishing right right out of high school in the Bering Ocean, where you kind of see all the deadliest catch and all that. And then started, you know, my guiding career. Then and seasonally did that throughout my twenties. I've never been a money motivated person. I've been a mission and in, in, in kind of experience motivated person. So guiding, you don't make any money. You know, it's it's like being a ski bum, and then you work construction in the winter. And but you're not doing it for money. You know, you're doing it because it's awesome. Yeah. And so that's kind of how the guiding thing was for me. So fast forward, got married. My wife was a, a professional veterinarian, so she made great money. So still not super motivated by money because yeah, she was yeah. making enough and I was doing my thing. And then we had my son and I got real motivated about money because my wife was really adamant. And I mean, we both kind of had this you know desire that she kind of pull back from work, not quit completely, but pull back to sure. raise our children. And, and so that really put the pressure on me. And um, I went from guiding, you know, just I guided for other people. Then I guided for myself a little bit, still didn't make any money. Then I said, well, I got to get a real job or I've got to double down on this guiding thing. So we started a lodge, raised, raised money. Again, I don't know what I'm doing. I just put together this really, I was pretty, I was decent at graphics because I built my own website for my adventure tour company. <laughs> you got to understand, I worked for like four months out of the year and then eight months out of the year, you know, I'm doing construction and, you know, I learned how to build a website. And, uh, and, so I put put this pretty business plan together, which is loose. Like I was like, what is a business plan? You know? Yep. And then it was like, you need this, this, and this. And I just made it really pretty and somehow conned a couple of people into giving me some money to build a lodge out in the bush. And so we had, it was 8,000 square foot full service lodge chefs. And at that point, I'm totally scared out of my mind. I'm trying to provide for my family. I'm getting into debt. What am I doing? And you're using a w, uh, World War II plane, if I'm not mistaken, right? 
Yeah, because we were 150 miles off the, the road. We were off the grid. So we had a, a runway in front of our uh, thing. And the only, only airplanes that could get in there were those uh, DC-3s. You know, they can land on short strips. And they would. that's how we'd get our food and our lumber and anything else. Mm-hmm. The lodging, you know, I'm four years, four, four years in, and I'm starting to kind of like, you know, it's kind of getting into that optimization mode. The startup mode's kind of waning. And my buddy says, hey, yeah, you know, I'm doing this side hustle, selling selling Amazon, you know, selfie sticks on the on Amazon. And I'm like, what? You know, man, hard times, you know. And he's like, no, I just <laughs> sold a million dollars. I just crossed over a million bucks in 10 months. This is 2015. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like paradigm shift big time. And so I went from this, hey, I sell my time for money to this new world instantly. It was like, I can sell a product. So he's, he's telling me that. And he's like, yeah, just find a product that you already use and like, and there's some velocity of sales in the market and make it, make it better uh, if you can. And then, you know, sell it to a different audience than your competition. And I was like, well, that's pretty easy. So, so yeah, sure enough, I, I, I use this ring um, all the time that I bought. I think my wife bought it for me. It, it made my fingers sweat really bad. So I used, I was a perfect clientele for them. I, I, I never wore a wedding ring because I was a pilot and, a, you know, a boat captain and, you know, getting in and out of airplanes and boats in the bush is very, you know, if you lose your finger out there, you could, it, it's bad news. You're, you know, you're a day from, from town. And so I always wore a rubber ring, um, but, but it was uncomfortable. So I just said, you know, I was like, well, you know, how could they make it sound comfortable? So I, I drew little grooves into it and put it on Upwork and had somebody draw it in CAD. Then I had somebody 3D print and then I had somebody 3D print like an old, you know, a, a flimsy one. Then I paid for soft molds in China. Again, totally don't know what I'm doing. I'm Googling like how to make silicone molds, you know, <laughs> Google. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, I paid a guy $2,000. I was like, I'm kissing that money's going. No, you know, I'm never going to see that again. I just paid it to some guy in China. Anyway, anyway, like two months later, this ring shows up in the bush. You know, the guy flies his airplane in and drops off this package. And it's this ring. And it's like made of silicone. And I was like, this is incredible. So I gave it to all my, my guides, which we had like five guides. And they loved them. They like, yeah, they work. And they don't make your finger pickled, you know. So I'm like, wow, this is cool. You know, like cause I'm spent. I mean, I didn't have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Guide, the guiding business is like farming. Like you don't have a lot of money ever, but you have a lot of cool toys. You know, I had like two airplanes and boats and all that, <laughs> but you don't really make a lot at the end. Yeah. Of the day. So, um, so I had, you know, at this point I probably had 5,000 invested in this thing, which is significant for me, you know, five years ago. Yep. And so we kickstarted it with off those soft mold, you know, uh, rings and raised 18,000 bucks. I did the Kickstarter myself. I didn't even know what PR stood for. I didn't know Facebook ads. We were in the bush. I was on satellite yep. internet. You know, we did social media. I launched the Kickstarter, did all my own graphics and everything. It was rough. I and mean, you can go back and look at it. It's bad. And uh, the, I, I remember launching it like 2 a.m. and just sitting there watching it. And then all of a sudden the first sale came in like 15 minutes later from a guy in Australia. Mind blown. I'm talking, I, I'd never... I don't know. It was just, it was another paradigm shift. Like I sold a product that doesn't even exist to yeah. a guy in Australia. And then my wife, you know, woke me up a couple, you know, like five hours later and I, we were at 2,500 bucks. And I just, again, I just, it was, I never knew you could do that. So I, hopefully I'm an inspiration to people that are in their careers and thinking about doing something else. Cause it's, it's totally doable. You just gotta, you just gotta grind it out. So you're jumping into uh, the, the success of the company. And I know that you're open to talking about, uh, failures and things along the way as I've listened to, to interviews. But before we get into that, um, I think there's there's something about this story with your uh, you, you taking your six-year-old son on a moose hunt. And as much as I would love every detail 
about that hunt. Talk a little bit about the why behind bringing your six-year-old son on a moose hunt. He was actually five. I took him on a bear hunt when he was six. Okay. Uh, so okay. that that's not abnormal in Alaska, right? Like everybody flies okay. airplanes and everybody shoots bears. And not everybody, but you, you just, it's, it's just hold, you hold life a little bit. You value it maybe more, but you hold on to the control of your life a little less when you live in the wild, wild like we did. Okay. And so that's hard for people in, you know, I live in Nashville now, like they, they look at you like you're a two-headed monster or you're an irresponsible person your children should be taking from you. I want to teach my kids that, hey, life is precious, you know, uh, be smart, be professional. I have a worldview that, you know, God's in control, our days are numbered, but at, at some point, where is the, where's your line for, for, for risk, you know, and can you, um, and why is it there? Why is it there? Um, and why mm-hmm. isn't somewhere else? And why do you admire people that do take more risks than you? Well, you're, you're hitting on, you're hitting on this question. So how do you feel risk, adventure, fear, and leadership are then tied together? You know, it sounds like you take your, you take calculated risks, but you also lead that way, whether you're going bear hunting or you're starting a, a silicone ring company. So I'm interested to know, like, how do you see those things kind of tied together because it's working for you in business. It seems like you've got a successful, happy family as well. So uh, there's a lot of people listening that are going to be different than you. <laughs> so I'm wondering, what does that seem like to you? I am I am absolutely where I'm at. And I'm very, very, very blessed because of the great people that are around me. My wife being the first one, my mm-hmm. COO, Matt. I mean, like there's, you know, everything downstream of where you are is, is, is basically from the people above you. That are, you know, they might work for you, but they're above you and they are making things happen. I mean, that could kind of go into fear and leadership. I mean, you, you know, I, I, risk and adventure, you've got to keep those in your life. Um, Tony Robbins, I love Tony Robbins. You know, some, you know, I just, he, he was, it's early on in my life, did some transformative things. And, and, but he just talks about uncertainty and certainty. You have to have this level of uncertainty and certainty. If you're completely uncertain, you're just an, a maniac, right? You're just like, mm-hmm. that's where we felt with COVID early on. Everybody's super uncertain and it was mad chaos. But if you're completely certain, you're bored out of your damn mind. You know what I mean? And, and everybody <laughs> yeah. is. So, yeah. so, but some people have a much higher risk uh, or uh, capacity for uncertainty to certainty, right? So my wife is much more like she wants more certainty than uncertainty. And I'm the opposite. You know, I like to spice it up. Sure. Um, so risk is, it's just who, you know, you got to identify where you're comfortable with risk, but adventure is a big way, you know, to kind of, you know, kind of get rid of those. Uh, again, I'm an adventure tour guide. Now I run this company in Nashville. I'm, half the time I'm bored out of my mind. So then I try to take adventures to kind of offload that steam. But but fear and leadership, I, I, I would say, I could speak to this, you know, people have asked, oh, how'd you grow so fast? How did you, you know, you, you didn't even go to college. You didn't even know what what, what ROAS was, you know, like return on hand spend. I didn't, what, what, what is that? Like four years ago. And it's, I would say that I, maybe had an advantage not going to school and not being of a pedigree because I, I don't view myself as anything but a dumb guide from Alaska that likes to hike mountains. And so, um, but I know where I'm going and I'm, I'm pretty willing to like admit that I suck at most things. Um, but I'm pretty damn good at a couple things and then being able to hire those uh, deficiencies. Here's the, here's the main fear. I'm not enough, right? I suck. I'm a poser. I, I don't have what it takes. I'm too educated. I'm not educated enough. I'm fat. I'm skinny. I mean, like just name all your fears or all your limiting beliefs. Um, 
and then being able to identify those and then be like, hey, yeah, you're right. I'm not educated enough, but the guy over here is and I can hire him and you can, you know, you're 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 secure enough in who you are and who you're not that you can fill in the gaps. And that is absolutely 1000% the key to success. Now, of course, you got to have a product that sells in the marketplace. But if you can hire people, if you can marry people that are smarter than you and, 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 and offset your, you know, your craziness like my wife does, if you if you can surround yourself with people that are, you know, if you can swallow your fear of in, in, the, in the, the voices in your head that you're that you suck and, and actually agree with them and then say, hey, you, you know what? I do suck at 90 percent of things, but I'm good at these two things and then hire out. You're, you're, you're going to be successful. So that's how I lead. I, I do not go into a meeting, even as a CEO, thinking I know the solution. I always say, hey, what's the solution to this? Mm-hmm. And sometimes everybody comes up with a really dumb resolution and I take control and tell them what it is. But, but most <laughs> of the time they come up with a greater idea than I do. You know what I mean? Or we make decisions based off data like, hey, we need to do this on this product because oh, it's going to be epic. And everybody disagrees with me. And I'm like, okay, well, somebody do a survey with, you know, or Groove Insiders or whatever, and let's get some data. So you got to be able to swallow your pride mm-hmm. and, and, and go with the data. We're on something here. Starter versus operator. You're talking about it. You're talking about leadership. You're talking about fear. So then you get this thing going. Where would the Groove Life company be had you not surrounded yourself with people that could carry it out and do the operational stuff? Oh, we wouldn't be around. I'm, I'm a really good starter and, mm-hmm. and I'm really energetic at selling my ideas to get people to hire people, right? Like here's the vision of where we're going. This, can you see it? You know, like, can you see it? It's mm-hmm. going to be great. <laughs> and, uh, and that's, yeah, I'm a visionary. Absolutely. And, and I'm very, you know, very uh, convincing as far as, you know, the ener- my energy level to get people on board. And I would say that's probably about the only thing I offer this company at this point. Uh, you know, early on I did everything, but I, you know, I wasn't very good at it. So again, I did Facebook ads, I did PR, I did website copy, I did website freaking development. I did everything. And I was, you know, I was 40% efficient at all of it. And so, you know, as an entrepreneur, you have to start with, 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 do doing everything right learn enough about it to be able to call bullshit on the guy you hire behind you but but don't try to be excel at anything unless it totally gives you life so you wake up and you're just like oh my gosh i love this you know you mark that down and you're like oh i hate this hit they hate this hate this you're still gonna have to do it for a minute or a year or two but eventually you know find the thing you hate the worst like accounting and hire an accountant you know or hire you know agency to do that so, and again, you don't have to master them, but you do need to know enough about them to call BS on the guys, you know, when they do. So failure, I want to, I want to hear, um, you talk about failure a little bit, like hit us with some, like, what's a story that comes to mind about failure? What lessons have you learned by failing? Failure is a big part of where I'm at. And so I kind of view, and it's, you know, there's a lot of good teaching on failure now, but I kind of view failure as failure is inevitable. It is necessary. It's good as long as it's managed and you have some kind of, you know, guardrails on how much. So here at Groove, uh, we have a $50,000 failure uh, threshold. So anything we do from an ad campaign, an influencer, you know, a product line, and um, and that just frees people up. Like they don't have to come to me and say, hey, can I spend 20000 on this? It's like mm-hmm. you have a $50,000 budget. Now, you can't have, a, you know, five of those in, in a quarter, but you can have a couple, you know, and it allows the teams to kind of go out and experiment and do whatever they need to do. 
Um, but I'll give you an example of a huge failure we did early on with Cabela's. So we were, <laughs> we're still biting us in the ass, but uh, Cabela's. <laughs> uh, so we were the first ones to come out with camouflage rings. We got an order, you know, like a quarter million dollar order or something from Cabela's, which was what, I mean, it was massive for us back then, like massive. And so we were like, oh my gosh, we're in Cabela's, we've arrived, you know. And so we, we, uh, I've been working with China, I've been over to China. They couldn't get this, this camouflage to adhere to the silicone. And so finally I found one company that could do it. And they gave me three samples in a row that were, you know, it was good. It would pass the quality control test. And, and which was basically me with a piece of sandpaper, you know, rubbing on it. And uh, <laughs> so I was everything. right? Um, and so we, we shipped, oh my gosh, I don't know. We shipped 50,000 units or something crazy to, to, uh, to Cabela's all over the country, all store by for Christmas, man, they sold like hotcakes and they were reordering through Black Friday through Christmas. And then we were like, oh my gosh, we're right. And then, then they started to fail all of them. All of them. I'm not talking like a portion. Every one of them failed. And so. Like the camo was coming off? It was coming off like quick. And uh, (laughs) within like five days. And so, I mean, we're like, this, we could lose the company over this, you know? I mean, when I say we, it was like me and one other guy. I'm like, we could lose the company. I'm going to lose my house. I'm losing everything. You know, the fear kind of sticks in. Mossy Oaks calling me, Cryptech. They're like, hey, we're going to cancel your licensing. I'm like, look, listen give me 30 days. I will have a resolution of this and I will make this right. And so I don't think I slept for 30 days and we figured out a company here domestically that could, could adhere the camouflage. So we had a registration, uh, on, in our, in our packaging inside of Cabela's you could register ring for the lifetime warranty. So that was, that was the thing. Like we have a lifetime warranty on all our products. So not only, you know, Cabela's pissed, but then all these customers are hitting us up for this lifetime warranty. And so we had a lot of emails that people had registered the ring. It's like 30%. It was shocking. And, and then, and then in that, in that same time frame, we probably sold 25,000 rings to people off our website. Sure. Um, so we had, you know, we had probably had 50,000 people email and I sent this email out to them and I said, Hey, first off, we suck. We, we screwed up, you know, just, I didn't like cookie coated. I was like, yeah, unbelievable. I sent them out too early. I'm an idiot. I'm, you know, da, 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 da. But I'm going to send you a new ring. You don't even have to do anything. It'll show up in your mailbox. And so, sure enough, we, we, we got this other company to do a huge batch for us domestically. They were dialed in good. And, you know, I think in April, it took us a while, but in April, we sent out 50,000 rings. And people were, that was a, that thing launched us to the next level. People became super fans because they didn't have to, like, do a warranty claim. They just got a free ring. So you're, you almost, you go from almost losing the company to, to garnering super fans. Super fans. I mean, we doubled, we doubled our revenue from that March to April and we sent out, we lost a lot of money on the deal, obviously in in Cabela's basically, you know, they got acquired by Bass and told us to pound Sam and uh, Bass Pro. (laughs) And so, uh, which is, which is funny, but yeah, I mean, I think just being vulnerable with people, um, Mm -hmm. taking it, taking the shorts, we lost a lot of money that, that quarter. But just not trying to cover it up and not and just being about the people. Because I, I, in my mind, my, the future is I've got a 50-year brand. I'm the Patagonia of accessories. And so whatever, if we have to lose $200,000 this quarter, that's what we're going to do. Yep. And, you know, it, it, it's nerve-wracking because you only got 150 in the bank, right? That was the start of our company really taking off. So that's a good, I mean, it's a good failure story because it turns out good. You know, of course, we've had bad failure stories. I've hired really bad people before. But, um, you know, 
but you just you press on. The culture uh, at Groove Life, from what I get, what I gather from people online and things that you've got on your website, um, and actually, there's a quote on your website that says, "Groove Life is a fast-paced, breakneck speed type of company. We may not take ourselves too seriously, but we take our mission very seriously." Now, right. you talked about your mission earlier, the three things you that you're marked by that comes from your own personal inner life. But I'm interested to know, like, what what has been the process for you? To, to tie that mission and fun and lifetime guaranteed product, even if you lose money without losing one of those other things along the way. So you're hiring great people, you're tying mission and fun and lifetime guarantee together. H- how do you do that? So I will tell you that, you know, I mentioned earlier that who we are now, but it's not how we started. I didn't, I didn't really care about culture. Hell I was the culture. I mean, I was, I was, sure. the, I was the only guy and maybe a couple other people. I was just interested in making a little bit more money a year for my family. That was it. There was no like deep why to what I was doing except for cash. And I think that is okay. I think, you know, honestly, I think that's probably the best motivation you can have is say, Hey, I want to better the lives of my family. Now you need to kind of quantify that. Like, what does that look like? Is that, does that need to be millions of dollars a year? Or is that just like 150 a year? And then once you kind of hit that threshold of what you determined, what is a better life for your family and the goals that you, you and your family have and gives you margin, you know, time wise. I mean, it's not all about money. It's about margin of time as well. Like your kids need you. Your wife needs you um, to be there, be present, be at the baseball games, football games. Um, so so starting out, that was my only goal. Um, you know, in, in about two or three years in, that started to kind of like we paid off our debts and we were able to buy a house and, you know, those things kind of that alarm of provision kind of turned off. Right. And I always, always, uh, you know, equate it to an alarm, like most men uh, in, in the world, including myself, uh, you know, they wake up with this, you know, this thing that propels you out of bed and into taking risks and bettering yourself. And it all boils down to like, you look in your kids in the eye and you want to provide better for them. You know, it's just instinctual for us and women too. Right. I mean, it's just in general people. So once that kind of goes away, you kind of got to re-up like, hey, why am I doing this again? Why am I working so much? And why this? Why that? Um, and that happened for me about three years in, about two years ago. And it was it was a big one. Like, what? why? I don't need to work anymore. I could sell Groove and be fine forever. But what? So what is how did so my family's well, like we don't we don't we're not very materialistic people. We don't need much. So what is this? Why we continue to push harder and faster and more? And, what you know, a lot of it's because the, the, the market is pushing us there. But why? It, that's where it kind of came into like, OK, what is my main what is my reason for being on Earth? And, it, you know, and it goes back to loving God, loving people and, you know, and reconcile people to God through Jesus Christ. That's that's the basis of my existence in the basis of, you know, why what I do every day. I just happen to have this company that, you know, impacts people and, and you know, we have a lot of employees and a lot of customers. I want all types of people working for me because I want I want to I want to impact. them. You know what I mean? And I want to be impacted by them. But again, the, the baseline of what we hire, you know, really the one main filter we hire through culturally is do you love people? And, you know, is, is people more, are people more important than money to you? I think it, it goes to, you know, defining what is your why when you start a business. Everybody's got something, some core belief in their soul about what drives them. And I think it spends some time, you know, outside of your family, but because um, that, that's a big one. But outside of that, what what drives you? What what You know, and if you don't have anything, you need to do some, you know introspection because you're not going to make it i mean uh business is too hard and if it's just about money you're going to sell out which is fine some people want to sell out but i don't um that's what but that's what drives me 
if you were going to pick a person or a thing that has impacted your trajectory the most, it can be anything, any person, anything, there's not a wrong answer here, that impacted your trajectory the most, what would you say that was? Yeah, I mean, outside of my wife, like 100% her, you know, she just, mm-hmm. she's been the biggest amazing blessing um, and balancer, you know, of me. But I would say professionally, uh, and this may be in vogue, maybe it's not, but it's, uh, I'd say Tony Robbins. I thought that guy was a nut job. And I was pretty desperate at one point. Um, at one point with the lodge, we were we were kind of hemorrhaging some money. And this was before Groove. And my buddy was like, you need to come to this conference. And so I went to it. And so I will say this about Tony. Some of the stuff, you know, I don't agree with everything he says by, by any means. But there's he knows the human brain and how it works. And so I had so many limiting beliefs, but I had one limiting belief that crippled me. And that was that I believe God wanted me to fail because when I failed, God could be, you know, glorified bigger. Right. And I would be small because you kind of hear that, you know, you grew up in a Christian home and you get all these mixed signals about who God is. And that is a the biggest lie that I believe in. And it's so convoluted. And what's weird is that it was subconscious. Like I did not even know I was telling myself that story. When I uncovered that lie, it, and then, you know, it kind of takes you through a process of kind of getting rid of that lie. It, it was a, I started Groove the next month to, to give you an idea. And yeah. um, it just like the, the chains came off, like God wanted me to succeed. And he didn't want me to succeed to be rich. He wanted me to succeed to impact people because his mission is my mission, you know, and, or my mission is his mission. And so I had to get real clear on that. Like, what has God put me on earth to do? And then. How can I do that through a silicone ring? I need to pack people like in a good, positive way through a silicone ring. Like that's a tough, that's a tall order, right? I'm not mm-hmm. Billy Graham. Um, so that's kind of what we've been, I've wrestled with for these last couple of years in, in building a big culture, a great culture, kind of standing on my values on how we service people, but having a reason why is really what's kind of, I guess, codified the brand and made us, the culture so good because everybody's kind of on the same mission. They don't all have the same beliefs. I've got, um, uh, but that was a big one. Yeah. When when you think God wants you to fail, like talking about self-sabotage, like buckle up. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Well, thank you for sharing that. I did not anticipate the Tony Robbins story. That That is, uh, that's refreshing and it's good to hear. And I, I want to thank you also again, not just for the time, um, but the, uh, the, the detours that we took in this conversation reveal uh, pieces of your personality that people listening in will, will identify with because it's real. The self-doubt, the, the uh, imposter syndrome that's constantly there, um, no matter what, what life takes you down, um, it's, it's great. I, th- I appreciate it. So uh, as we close it out, anything you want to leave the folks listening in uh, to this conversation with? I would say, hey, I'm 35 or 40 now. You can start whenever, you know, um, calculated risk, put your family first. And if you don't know God, I'd say start talking to him. Because uh, he'll talk back <laughs> That's a great place to end. Thank you again, Peter, for your time. Thank you for leading so courageously and, you know, for hiring people around you so that you can keep being a wild man. I love it. All right, man. Thank you so much. See ya. Takeaway and action item. We've got two takeaways, two action items. Takeaways first. Number one, know thyself and be free. Number two, there are companies that exist who serve people, inspire adventure, and reflect God. Action items. Number one, 
This is tied to knowing yourself. If you are sure of what you're gifted in, get great at those things. On the flip side, if you don't know what you're good at, here are three simple ways to uncover your superpowers. Number one, I would encourage you, check out Strength Finder 2.0. Strength Finder 2.0, you can just Google search that. You'll find a whole bunch of resources. Second option is to have a bold conversation with your most trusted friend and just simply ask them, what am I good at? Number three, think about the times when you've gotten praise for a thing that just came naturally for you. It could be something like you gave some timely compliments or thoughtful gifts to somebody. You have ideas easily. You come up with ideas for improving processes or simplifying complex problems. Maybe you are extra, extra consistent in keeping your word, not just sometimes, but all the time, because you either keep your word or you don't, right? And maybe you're super creative and you can create something out of nothing. Just some ideas there. Number two, action item here is hire for your weaknesses. A million dollar idea is destined to fail if we don't put the right people around us. Your million dollar idea will fail if you don't put the right people around you. So I encourage you to hire for your weaknesses. If you liked what you heard, I have a simple ask. Give us a written review in whatever platform you're using right now. We read all of them. It helps us reach more folks like you. And you actually are helping get us better at this thing. And then, if you would be so kind, send this episode to somebody who needs some encouragement. Now, we have dozens and dozens of other conversations that will aid in your growth as a leader. Two main ways to get them. You can go to ccbtechnology.com slash podcast, or if you're listening on your phone, just click that button that says subscribe, and you will have all the episodes just like magic. Now, I can't wait to be with you again soon. We have so many good episodes coming up, but until then, from all of us here at CCB Technology, thanks for listening.